today I am announcing my resignation from Congress. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> One of the great moments in American political history. And that was a Howard Stern plan? I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the breaking news is Anthony yeah! Weiner. Carlos Danger just got 21 months in, no! in the slammer. Maybe he can dress up pretty for his cellmate and uh, do something untoward. So for sexting that 15-year-old girl, is that what it's all for? For two months, he was involved in sexting conversations and video chats with a 15-year-old. Across state lines, which is a thing. (laughs) Brought himself out. (laughs) Wait a minute, you were texting an Indianan? (laughs) Come on! But not... I thought she was an adult. Turns out she was 15. Not one, but I, or I found out she was 15 later and one time. No, no, no. For two months, he knew for a full month at least, he admitted this himself, that she was 15 years old. And after he knew she was 15 year old, they did a video chat thing where he asked her to undress and touch herself in front of him. A 15 year old. And in a two-month period, he wasn't able to grab a hold of himself and say, dude. Oh, he grabbed a hold of himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, poor, poor, poor choice. Oh, yeah, like, that one was too we easy, We all saw folks. that coming. <laughs> too easy, folks. That was just bad on my part. <laughs> in a two-month period, you couldn't shake yourself and say, okay, so he was oh, probably yeah, he certainly did that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I bet yeah, he shook yeah. himself regularly. Go on, Jack. In a two-month period, he couldn't compose himself and think, I am way, way out of bounds here. Wiener said last week he was undergoing treatment and is profoundly sorry for subjecting the minor to what his lawyers called his, quote, deep sick. sick. Ah, I was doing so well. Deep sickness. 21 months. He was hoping to get 10 years. You know, he's got the best lawyers and connections you can have when it comes to uh, getting a good deal. And he's, uh, you know, I don't know how much this plays a role, but he's he's an important, rich, white guy. If you did this exact same thing as a 40-year-old down-and-out black guy, I wonder how much time you get. I don't know. Having great lawyers is a thing because they negotiated a whole plea deal. Kind of complicated. He, He agreed not to appeal any sentence between 21 and 27 months. I mean, you don't, if you got a public defender, they don't work out that sort of deal. Uh, Wiener ap- apologized to everybody, including his now estranged wife, Hummel Wiener, who uh, is a longtime Clinton aide, sometimes goes by whom Abedin. <laughs> um, and then uh, Wiener said this. I get it. Wiener said this. <laughs> I have a sickness, but I do not have an excuse. Saying you have a sickness, you can't control your impulses. Saying. I have a sickness. Isn't that an excuse? Well, here's my argument, and this gets back to the what if you were a 40-year-old down-and-out black guy. I think a lot of people would look at that and think, this guy knew she was 15 years old for a month or more and couldn't control himself. That person needs to be locked up. He just said himself. It's a sickness. Okay, so you got something wrong with you. He's getting treatment. That there is no... No research that says it can be fixed, necessarily. This plant says it can't. You can't control yourself, even if you know you got a 15-year-old in front of you. you got to stay in jail, dude. I think you make that argument pretty easy. Yeah, I guess. I don't know what the laws are there in New York about pervs and extending their sentences. It's kind of a touchy area of constitutional I, law. I think he comes out and does it again, or something along those lines. That'd be exciting. As long as he doesn't actually hurt anybody. Wow, what a nut job.
I think yeah, it takes one to know one, jackass. I think <laughs> I think the average fifteen year old American can get over. Yeah, some old perv was texting me, wanting me oh. to take my clothes off. They'll she'll be fine. She knew what was going on at that point. She knew who she was dealing with and But will his fantasies escalate to the point where he does something ugly when he gets out? I certainly hope not. Well, he he's never shown any interest in actually meeting these people. He's got some strange from afar stranger thing going on. Who knows the kinks of the mind, but Anyway, so that's Anthony Weider. Got to shake himself. (laughs) But you said it's hilarious. Quick follow-up on the North Korea thing. I, for one, and you know, I lean right, but I hear Pyongyang. Uh, No traffic, no homeless people. (laughs) Spotless streets. I'm saying bring it on. Sounds like a great model for me. Up with the Kim family. Old uh, little Kim. Love them. Love them. Exactly. I'll pledge my allegiance, whatever. What's not to like? But the giant gleaming towers with uh with uh, uh big uh, um, what do you call it statue structure model of an atom on top of them right to, to, they're all the whole country's obsessed with the fact that they have nuclear weapons right they, they, little kids play with rockets all day long instead of cars and trucks yeah every TV show every song everything it's just constant yeah. bakeries make little rocket shaped things to eat. They're just obsessed with the whole thing. Right. That's yeah. That's what I was talking about with Jonathan Chang. It's not like it's an issue. It's the issue. It's it's the national identity. It's their it's their uh, the feeling of safety and, and national uh, pride. And there's no way the average North Korean is going to say, "Listen, let's just go along to get along." No, it's they're, they're wrapped up in the whole thing. I think you might uh, you'd, you'd you'd defect there. You'd go over there with the clean streets and the no traffic, and they'd put you up in a nice uh, apartment building because. You know, you'd be a trophy for them, and then they'd announce to you, and you get 310 calories a day to eat. <laughs> well, they, the and people, then, nah, whoops. The people of the city, while I'm sure it's still weird and horrible, you know, it's a completely different world than the countryside, oh, yeah. which apparently starts right at the edge of town. From the edge of town, you can see people with ox working fields like it's the year 1000. Right. So, why we get so much reporting on the 3 million people that live in that city versus the other 25 million people? I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, that is an interesting part of that. Is just the whole urban bias that exists in media. But um, yeah, yeah, the, the vast majority of the country it doesn't matter what's going on in Pyongyang <laughs> and their then their 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 giant gleaming buildings. They don't know nothing like that, right? They're following an ox out there hoping to grow one thing of corn that they're gonna <laughs> one one cur- uh, stand of corn so they can fight <laughs> to the death over it. <laughs> that's that's cheery. And and you know, once a month, a party uh, party member comes by the village and lectures them all how much they gotta love King the uh, Fathead Kim because. You know, he's got magical powers and threw three no-hitters in a row, and, and oh, yeah. the rest of it is, is, is an expert in everything. I wish I had the exact wording they had in the in the article. So, yeah, so uh, Little Fathead shows up to the eyeglass store, you know, the Pearl Vision or whatever, lens crafters there in the mall, and gives them some examples on how you, you should put the sunglasses over there, and you should separate the men's glasses from the women's glasses so they're easier to find. And that was his, <laughs> his suggestion. And he's so he's an expert in everything. And it was something basic like that. I remember it was separating the men's from the women's so they're easy to find. Oh, yes, great idea. You're a genius. We'd have never thought of that. Mr. Kim suggested <laughs> changes to the hospital's eye-shaped logo, including adding a second line to the eyebrow, the hospital's external affairs director said. Mr. Kim picked green as the main interior color because it soothes the eye and guided the glasses shop inside to organize frames by gender and price. <laughs> That's the leader of the country. 
Now, that's micromanaging when the leader of the country has to go into the lens crafters and say, I think you should put these in order of price. Put the expensive ones on top. Why are the blue ones next to the brown ones? Nobody wants the blue ones next to the brown Oh, yes, oh, great leader. Oh, you, you, the blue ones will go over there. And they all have to act like he's yeah. a, an expert in everything. Right. As a 30-year-old, whatever he is. That's hilarious. So if you're just tuning in, it's somebody else worth- on my side right here from a text. North Korea sounds like the United States in the 50s. I agree. It's a model country from what I hear. <laughs> wow. Wow. Jack, ladies and gentlemen, we've long suspected this, haven't we? Is a communist. If you're just tuning in, we talked a lot about the NFL thing. Seven o'clock hour, six o'clock hour, actually, and seven o'clock hour. We'll touch on it again. Everybody's wrong. Everybody's angry. Everything's politicized. You can't watch anything. You can't do anything anymore without bitter, divisive politics jumping into the middle of it. Life is ruined. I'm off to North Korea. (laughs) Actually, I'm going off to Germany. (laughs) Joe's message for today, life is ruined. (laughs) I'm going to go off to Germany where they have just had an election. Mm, controversial results. A right-wing party, quote-unquote, has gained seats in Parliament for the first time in 70 years. And for completely predictable, logical reasons. Hatred and fascism and racism, Jack, according to most of the coverage. We will have to talk more about the whole NFL thing as the president continues to tweet. How does this end? Does it, does it go back to normal at some point? Does everybody say, okay, it's over now? Everybody stands for the national anthem again and it's back to normal? Will that ever happen? Yes. Yeah, I think so in about 20, 25 years. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So this week, a, a truck carrying 40,000 pounds of vodka overturned in North Carolina. The driver is fine. He said he's shaken but not stirred. You're right. America's ruined. No, life is ruined, you said. Life yes. is ruined. That's right. Life got ruined over the weekend. Right. Yeah. Trump and the players and everybody and the owners and, and Steve Kerr and the NBA and LeBron James calling the president a bum. Was it a bum? Yeah. Yes. I, I, I knew. I remember it was something old timey. Yeah. Like, Boy, you're a bum. <laughs> Way to go, King James. Way to bring it. Everybody's angry at everybody, and now it's racial. We got one text about Anthony Weiner. My friend got seven years for similar Weiner antics. He was a 40-ish Filipino in Illinois. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, see, you're you're making it about race, I think, is it's a factor, certainly. But as Johnny Cochran put it so eloquently, the real color of justice is green. If you got money to hire lawyers, you're going to be way better off than if you don't. If Anthony Weiner was exactly like Anthony Weiner is, a weaselly little white fella, but he had no money, he'd be in jail for a long time. I think a long time. Yeah. Bye-bye, pervert. Uh, so they had an election in Germany yesterday. And yeah, that's Nazi Germany. They elected, nope, uh, nope, regular Germany. They elected the same old broad they elected a couple other times. Yeah, old Angela Merkel. You know why they elected her, Jack? Hmm. Because of her slogan. Now, this is the English translation, but this is the actual slogan of Mrs. Merkel's run. For a Germany where life is good and we enjoy it. <laughs> okay. Always Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> For a Germany where life is good and we always enjoy it. Who's with me? Always enjoy it? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I inserted that. We enjoy it. Okay. Life is good and we enjoy it. <laughs> Who are you being against that? 
I disagree. <laughs> Who's I like with me? Mediocre life. That's kind of a pain. They didn't win. So yeah, listen. As usual, you gotta read about the election in several different places to get any idea what's going on because of the overt bias in so much media. I read the New York Times version, the Washington Post version, and oddly, strangely. The Oh, I was going to say the Yahoo News version, but they didn't do it. It was Reuters, the Reuters news agency. Three quarters of the uh, eligible voters came out to vote. Yeah. we Can you imagine that? Our crazy high out of control, everybody was into it, Obama election, we got 60%. Yeah, yeah. So here's what happened, the long and short of it. And I'm telling you, this is all part of the same thing. The German election, the Brexit, the election of Trump... The uh, sitting down at football games, the fans boycotting the NFL for NFL guys for kneeling during the national anthem, et cetera, et cetera. It's all part of the same kind of big mess of the elite, the powerful saying over and over again, just uh, you just uh, keep doing this. You'll be great. This is the way we're going to be happy and have a good society. You just keep doing this. And more and more people are starting to think, wait a minute, I'm getting screwed. You've told me now four elections in a row to just trust you. And this is Republicans and Democrats in the United States. Told me over and over again to trust you. You had a good uh, program for us. I'm getting screwed over here. I don't like this. And it's, it's global. But anyway, so Merkel's marginally conservative party won 32. It's a parliamentary system where you get seats in parliament that reflect your percentage of the vote. So Merkel's party won 32 and a half percent of the vote. And that was the biggest party that's down from almost 42%. So they're down. Well, nine points from the last election in 2013. That is something you got nine points down. They lost almost a quarter of their support. Yeah, with their system, that is something you got to keep in mind going forward. That whenever you hear about her, uh, she's the head of a one third of the country party, right? And from what I understand, a lot of her party is in disagreement with her at this point. They just thought she was, you know, a good bet for winning right. people that are in her party. But there is a Which lot. Which is how, for instance, the Republicans ran whoever's turn it was right. several you know, election cycles in a row. Yeah, well, these, these yeah. actually be very similar to Hillary Clinton. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. the perfect example. The, you know, a lot of Democrats unhappy with Hillary Clinton, but she was the nominee. And, you know, Seemed inevitable. A, yeah. Um, a, a lot of her own party is really unhappy with her immigration policies. You add that to this so-called right-wing anti-immigration party, Mm -hmm. getting 13%, and you got something. So anyway, her party's gone from 41 to 31%. Her coalition partners, because if you don't have a majority of seats, you find somebody you can get along with, the two of you band together, and you have a, a majority together, and you form the government, you appoint your ministers, whatever. That's how parliamentary systems work, roughly. So anyway, her partner party slumped to 20%. It doesn't say from what, because, of course, journalists never give you everything you want to know, um, which is a new post-war low. So her coalition partners are are really, really weak. Now, so you got 31% for Merkel's party, 20% for her partners. The far right, their words, not mine, although by German standards, they're far right. Alternative for Germany party finished third with 13.5% of the vote. And they are pretty hardcore anti, um, you know, they're called anti-immigration in your uh, left-wing rags. 
I would describe them as being pro-constricting immigration compared to the current standards. They are they are more conservative on immigration standards and refugee standards. So they're now in third place and have a significant uh, part of the parliament. Um, and now Merkel and company don't know who they're going to join with to form the government. So things are about to get a lot more chaotic in Germany because a significant and growing percent of the population is saying, and you're, ne- you're not going to hear it spoken this plainly anywhere else, they're saying, we don't want Germany to become sort of German and sort of the third world. And it's another major country in which the two main parties that have been doing it all for decades and decades and decades lost a lot of power. Good like, point. Like happened in France. Neither party even made the, the, the end election in France. Uh, the whole Brexit thing in the United States, where Trump, who is not really attached to a party, uh, upended the whole system. Listen. So the, the major parties of the last decades people are rejecting. And then this immigration thing. And I don't understand why more people don't say this out loud or at least recognize its existence. Maybe I understand better because I know of a bunch of small towns around America that I knew for years that changed. If you live in a town for decades, you went to school there, now you're an adult, you're raising your kid there, and now it's a different town. You don't like that. With a different language. Nobody likes that. Right. Nobody. It's It's not hate. It's a normal human reaction. So when you see a town that had no crime, no problems in the schools, all of a sudden have crime and problem in the schools, you don't like that. Nobody does. Listen it's to the hu- racism, it's human everybody. nature. Listen why do, to the why racism. Do pe- why do people not get that? Or even if you're against it, why don't you just acknowledge that that is human nature? So you have Americans, French men and women, uh, Germans, people in all these sorts of countries who are shamed over and over again into saying... I liked Munich when there wasn't a big part of town where you couldn't go without a headscarf. I liked it better that way. They were ashamed into not saying that or saying, you know, virtually everybody spoke German. And now there are huge sections of town where nobody speaks German. I liked it better when people spoke my language. They were ashamed into not saying that over and over. And finally, enough grumbling took place that they realized, wait a minute, everybody around me agrees with me. Why am I silent? Why am I being shamed? And so the resentment now is burbling to the top in multiple countries, including Germany. Here's your New York Times. And, and the, here's the, the problem. And the people of Syria wouldn't be, well, that might be a bad example because that country is so completely out of out of hand. Yeah. But the people of where pick, pick a country in Africa, they wouldn't be very happy if all of a sudden most people started talking German. In Mike. their town. They wouldn't like it. It's just human nature. Yeah. So, uh, oh, it's it's interesting. What, what did I hear this morning? Um, oh, they were talking about the Kurds held a, a non-binding referendum about independence. And one reporter said, why do the Kurds want independence? I thought they live in a part of the world where people kill each over each other over their ethnicity and or sub subdivision of Islam. They want their own country so they can have an army and not get killed by the other sub subdivisions. So, you know, tribalism is is it's perfectly natural and predictable, but it's dangerous. And, And here's the problem with the way the West has been doing what it's been doing. If you, oh man, this this brings me back to, uh, you know, many, many years ago when the talk show was first starting and Time Magazine recognized Sacramento, California as the most diverse city in America at the time. 
And they were talking about how wonderful it is that 37 languages were spoken at an elementary school and that um, they had another bunch of examples. And we got flooded with calls and in letters and emails from people saying, I teach at that school. It's not wonderful. It's impossible. We can't educate the kids. We can't communicate with the parents. This The expenses of dealing with this are driving us. We've had to eliminate our music program, our art program, our drama program, and our program for gifted kids to deal with this. This is very complicated. And we got on the air and we said, listen, this is all not sunshine and roses. This is a real challenge, particularly in a limited budget environment. And various progressive politicians tried to call us racists over that when that's the last thing we are. And and so you have that atmosphere for years and years and years, and people are getting more and more frustrated. But you tell me this is a bad thing to say, listen, here are a bunch of people who are being persecuted. They're fleeing a war zone. We understand they don't speak English. We understand they uh, they don't share the most common religions in America. And that culturally, they're very different. They come from a culture where they negotiate differently, where they see the government differently, where they think it's okay to punch somebody in the face over a difference in religion, blah, blah, blah. This is going to be difficult, folks. But I think if we band together, we can all learn from each other. No, you don't get that. You get that. You got to let them in or you're a racist. And whether it's the people of Germany or France or the United States or whatever, people get frustrated with that. And so you're seeing what you're seeing. This 13% for this alternative for Germany party, that's the lowest vote total they will get in the next three or four elections. I can practically guarantee it. One more quick note. That was an all incredibly long aside to get to this. This is in the first couple of sentences in the New York Times where they talk about this party. Uh, for the first time, blah, 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 far-right, anti-Muslim, anti-European Union party, the alternative for Germany, garnered enough votes to enter parliament. That in itself is not surprising at a time when populist parties have made gains across Europe and in the United States. But the emergence of a nationalist party, okay, Nationalism isn't necessarily a bad thing, but here's the rest of the sentence. One whose leaders think Germans should be proud of their soldiers in both world wars has been a source of distress. So a little hint, just a little wink there in the the first paragraph where they talk about this party that, oh, they're pro-Nazis. They're Nazis. This is a Nazi party. Listen, you can be ashamed of the Nazis and be proud of people who fought bravely under your flag to me. If you lost your grandfather in the war fighting for Germany because he thought he had to fight for his country, you don't need to be ashamed of grandpa. I don't. That's so prejudicial to me in the New York Times. But. Got, a, got a good text. Germany needs a strong leader with a great mustache. An unusual one, like a handlebar or something. <laughs> You're not helping. I'm trying to make a serious point over here. We trying have, to bring uh, people together. We have some more or less breaking news. You on that, Marshall? The whole North Korea thing? Yep. Oh, Lord. Coming up. I'm sure this is good news, though. Coming up, North Korea's foreign minister claims President Trump has declared war on his country. And says that they now have the right to shoot down our planes. Free speech provocateur Milo Yiannopoulos visits UC Berkeley for 15 minutes Sunday. Cost of security jaw-dropping and a simple way on how you can save hundreds of dollars a year on your groceries. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Steal them. Man, Walk into the store with a big, loose coat on. If the great, horrifying nuclear disaster that everybody's been fearing for 70 years happens, historians will have to throw in, over the weekend before the nuclear war, everybody was discussing national anthem and sports people. Kneeling football players. <laughs> 
Uh, stay tuned for Marshall's News. Coming up next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. You're you're right. Life is ruined. Yeah. For a number of reasons, life has been ruined, including that little fathead in North Korea. Let's get to the news now with Marsha Phillips. Yeah, things between the U.S. and North Korea are getting hotter. North Korea's foreign minister now claims President Trump has declared war on his country. At a news briefing in New York, the foreign minister criticized Trump's rhetoric and said the whole world should be clear about Trump's intentions. He also insists the North has got a right to defend itself, including shooting down American planes that venture into North Korean airspace. As uh, well, we stayed in international uh, airspace over the weekend, right? But buzzed but we their went, coast. Yeah, we went uh, we went north more than we have in like seventy years. We went up, uh, you know, north further than we'd been there for. I don't remember what are what's the limits of international airspace. I can't remember. It's. Because it's happened, you know, semi-regularly throughout history that somebody decides to make a point by shooting down somebody's plane then claims they were in oh, sure. their, their airspace. And, you know, it's, it's not like a traffic wreck where both cars are still sitting there. Technology's better today than it used to be back in the day. Yeah, true enough. Gets various satellites. But it doesn't make any difference. Once once a plane's shot down, then you're then it's on. Mm. And that's, that's the concern yeah. as I was watching various generals and thinkers over the weekend talk. Is uh, we're we're not likely to attack North Korea. They're not likely to decide that launching a missile at us is a good idea. But the miscalculation of somebody shooting down a plane or us crossing into the space by accident or something, something like that is pretty high. Yeah, and I get, and, an- then, and then it's yeah. off and running so fast you can't stop it. I get anti-Trumpists concern that. You know, the president will, out of buttheartedness or stubbornness or making it personal, do something insane. I don't think he will. I don't think uh, Generals Mattis, McMaster, and Kelly, I think they would argue so forcefully he wouldn't. Uh, but I get the concern. You know, over the weekend, right. he, he blasted everybody. And, and none of it, I think, did his administration any good. So I, I hope and pray things come out okay. You see Berkeley paying at least $800,000 to provide security for yesterday's speech by Milo Yiannopoulos. The former Breitbart editor spoke to about a dozen people at Sproul Plaza, while hundreds more were outside the area cordoned off by police. The campus police, joined by hundreds of officers from Bay Area law enforcement agencies, the UC officials say they brought in an unprecedented number of police uh, officers. They declined to reveal how many. They brought them in from 10 different jurisdictions. One of the reasons they want to decline is because they want to inflate the cost as much as they can to try to discourage people from allowing this sort of free speech. Right. And here's what actually happened. The police president was uh, presence was so suffocating, hundreds and hundreds of people who wanted to get in to hear right. Milo speak couldn't. Right. Um, there, there, it was an extremely slow process. One metal detector for a whole crowd. If you had any backpack, any fanny pack, any purse, any anything, you couldn't go in. And it took hours and hours and hours to get through. Because we all know that the problem at these things has been the people inside the hall that come to see the speaker. Right, exactly. That's where all the violence has been occurring. Yeah, so anyway, it was impossible to get in to see him. Then Antifa just jumped over the barricades that were set up to keep the area secure, the building secure. 
And uh, they started to go into the building, I guess, or Milo got word that they are now in the building. They're looking for you. So he had to beat a path, and that's why he was only there for 15 minutes. So once again, the anti-free speech crowd won. Yeah, that's a pretty good plan Mm -hmm. by Berkeley. One, to come up with as expensive a way to do this as possible and then inflate the numbers, I'm guessing, to try to discourage uh, people from uh, being in favor of this. And then the whole one line to get in, slow search. It's a good idea. It's, you know, I think it's unconscionable, but it's a good idea from their standpoint to try to stifle these sorts of things. It turns out these days Americans are throwing away $29 billion worth of food each year because of confusing food labels. Turns out the companies are using at least 10 different phrases to communicate. I was communicate. looking for lettuce and it said hot dogs. <laughs> Is this ketchup or ham, honey? <laughs> no, they put, you know, you're using 10 different ways to communicate when you should throw a product away. Now, some of the phrases are aimed at consumers. Others are really meant for retailers. This month, several brands and stores have promised to stop using all those phrases and instead adopt use by for perishable goods and best if used by for other goods. I was best if used by 1994, and I'm still around. Huh? <laughs> Rancid act. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah. Will cause you illness <laughs> by, you know, right. date. That's what I want to know. Is this going to make me sick? Best by, you know, the flavors have slightly diminished. Yeah. Shut okay. up. Right. Shut up. <laughs> if it's not, if it hasn't turned green and isn't smelling yes. really weird, then I think it's the okay. The problem is, yes. if anybody introduces the idea right. that maybe it's spoiled, <laughs> then, you, it. then you can't smell right. Every time my wife says, this meat smells funny. You're not eating it. I go into it with, I'm sure it's fine, but... And then uh, roughly 45 seconds later, (laughs) you both agree, all right, let's have something else. (laughs) The minute somebody says, I'm not sure this is right, you're not eating it. Yeah. You know what? There's got to be science. Are you listening? Science? Here's what you got to come up with. A simple, obviously non-toxic spray or something, or a litmus paper or something. Just let me... You rub it on the ham... Ten seconds later, you see, ah, microbial content's fine. Is it rancid or not, like Jack said? That's all anybody wants to know. <laughs> That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. Here I'm starting the Getty Show, the voice of the West. This uh, shellfish has been on the back patio for three days, honey, after the, the picnic. I forgot to clean it up. You think it's all right? You know what I like? Old warm mayonnaise. Oh, That's yeah. good stuff. Oh, that's good. It's like sun tea, sun mayonnaise. You leave it out for a couple of days. We got more from the world of football and politics and how it is commingled. As Joe says, life has been ruined. (laughs) We'll hear from some of the participants coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Many more players took a knee this afternoon, and even NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell denounced the president's comments. And when you have lost the moral high ground to Roger Goodell, something is horribly wrong. Guys have family members, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters that serve, and um, they were really conflicted about it. Um, but we just want to send a message of, of unity and. As a man, as a father, as an African-American man, as a, somebody in the NFL, as one of those sons of bitches, you know, like, yeah, I took it personally, but at the same time, like I said in my Twitter post, it's bigger than me, man. We, we know what went on this week with the, with the comments um, that were made by the president, you know, and, and I felt like he attacked our brothers, my brothers in the league, so I felt like it was appropriate to stand up with them and stand in the locker room. Yeah, it was a few guys. Now, it's a lot of guys. 
Thanks to the president's creed. He did call so, him a son of a bitch, so I guess if you're a kneeling person, you did get called a son of a bitch by the president. Yes. Yeah. Well, and if you're buddies with these guys, you think, wait a minute. I know what he's doing. I know why he's kneeling. He's not a son of a bitch. But what percentage of the players kneeled even yesterday, 48 hours after the president doing this stuff? It was roughly one out of eight. So not very many. No. Although, you know, there were various other gestures. An entire team linking arms or holding hands or whatever was a rejection of the president telling them what to do and calling their teammates sons of bitches at the same time not wanting to disrespect the flag and veterans and blah, 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 blah. And now politics is just thoroughly infused into football. It's like one of those flavored beers. If I want grape juice, I'll drink a grape. If I want orange juice, I'll drink orange juice. I want to drink it damn beer. Give me a beer, a beer-flavored beer. That's the best flavor for beer. <laughs> Don't put the two together. What about this new papaya-flavored beer you want to try? That's pretty that? good. So, did anybody... I haven't heard any much... Papaya. I, actually, it's I don't a think... bastard fruit. Actually, I don't think I heard any talk in the last 72 hours about the whole police brutality toward black people thing that was the original Colin Kaepernick. Is it now just become a... You're, you're for or against Trump? Part of, Partly that... Or, and the media is trying like crazy to make it, are you for black people or against them? Well, I mean, they're trying to change it into like Charlottesville. Everybody brings up Charlottesville and Trump's reaction to that and what it said about our country and blah, blah, blah. A couple of quick thoughts for you. Well, go ahead. When does it go back to normal? Never? 20 to 25 years. This is the new normal, Jack. The NFL will probably never go back. Go eat a papaya. The NFL will never go back to normal because by the time this dies down, it'll be it'll be a, a second tier sport. Right. It it could well be. You combine concussions be. with everything else. Yeah. How about my Trump, my Trump, my lovely mouthy Trump, <laughs> um, uh, uh, saying, "I didn't know, let him hit anymore. Let him hit him. Yeah. Too many penalties. He was just there jacking too up many. the crowd. There are too many penalties. There are too many penalties. Too many reviews of plays and penalties. That's really the main Boring. thing. That drew drove me away. Yeah. So a couple of quick thoughts for you one from the uh, wall street journal and one from the new york times you know maybe i'll do the times first because it's annoying as usual um the headline of the uh, news analysis by peter baker is a divider not a uniter trump widens the breach over the course of just 17 hours this weekend, President Trump assailed John McCain, Chuck Schumer, Stephen Curry, the National Football League, Roger Goodell, Iran, and Kim Jong-un, the little rocket man, and that was on his day off. While football players knelt locked arms or stayed in their locker rooms during the national anthem in a protest on Sunday, any notion that Mr. Trump may soften his edge, uh, etc., seemed fanciful, um, made their, their point being, obviously, that it, it made things more divided. Not um, not less. Oh, that's right. There was one more thing I wanted to share with you. Uh, never in modern times has an occupant of the Oval Office seemed to reject so thoroughly the idea that a president's duty is to bring the country together. Relentlessly pugnacious, energized by a fight, unwilling to let any slight go unanswered, Mr. Trump has made himself America's apostle of anger, its deacon of divisiveness. Then from the Wall Street Journal, healthy democracies have ample room for politics, but leave a larger space, a larger space for civil society and culture that unites more than divides. With the politicization of the National Football League and the National Anthem, the divided states of America are exhibiting a very unhealthy level of polarization and mistrust. 
Remember we talked about this years ago? I think it was a basketball player or who didn't stand for the national anthem or something. This oh, was years was ago. A, a Muslim guy. Mahmoud Abdul Raouf. Yeah, this, right. this was a long time ago, back when we took calls. But we started getting calls from uh, black listeners who say, no, I don't stand for the national anthem or I resent the national anthem. There was a lot of people, black That's people, correct. that said, I'm, I'm angered every time I hear the national anthem. It was exclusively black people. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a black panelist on Face Nation yesterday. He said the, the national anthem is a racist song. So how, how many of the black players actually do hate the national anthem or hate the country? Somebody ought to ask them, because that'd be an interesting facet of the conversation, too. I think a calm and reasonable conversation might be useful, or we could just continue screaming at each other. Yeah. Life is ruined. Life is ruined. The NFL is. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.